Welcome back to the I'm Booked podcast. I'm April O'Leary, the founder of O'Leary Publishing, and today we have Matt Zeman on. He is the author of Psychedelics Are For Everyone, and I was super curious to have him on the show because I have never really explored anything about psychedelics, and so I got a chance to read his book and learned so much about how it's being used today in the field of psychiatry, how it is potentially revolutionary to psychology, and how it can help treat symptoms like PTSD, depression, anxiety, and more, in addition to the spiritual components. So I went into this conversation with a lot of curiosity, which you'll see, and I am super glad to present to you uh, what Matt Zeman has to offer. Offer, and I encourage you to pick up his book, Psychedelics Are For Everyone. Let's get started. I hope you find this interview as interesting as I did. Let's get started. You know, the world of publishing can be very confusing, just like the world of psychedelics, right? But the more information you have, the better decisions you can make. And so publishing is something you can learn about as well. And we encourage you to hop on over to O'LearyPublishing.com and take our author adventure quiz and see if your idea, your experience, your tragedy, your triumph could be turned into a powerful book to help others. Publishing doesn't have to be confusing. Take our author adventure quiz today at O'LearyPublishing.com where you can explore the world of publishing. I look forward to speaking with you soon. Now let's hop on in. Let's do it. <clears throat> Welcome back to the I'm Booked podcast. I'm April O'Leary, and I am so excited to be here today with none other than Matt Zeman. He is the author of Psychedelics for Everyone. And I am sure we're going to have a really interesting conversation. So welcome to the show. Hey, April, thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Yes. And you know what? I have to say, I'm, I'm sitting here at my computer and I'm looking at you on half the screen and I'm looking at your one sheet on the other half and you like literally look exactly like your headshot. You know, sometimes <laughs> when you see someone's headshot and then you meet them in person, you're like, was this thing taken 20 years ago or did you have like major Photoshop done, but you look exactly the same. Well, I appreciate that. Thank you. I think I appreciate that. <laughs> so part of our podcast, of course, for those of you who've been listening for quite a while is really just to uncover not specifically the details of each author's book and all of what's in it. Although I'm finding Matt's book extremely fascinating and I'm loving it and I highly recommend you pick it up. It's called psychedelics for everyone but really about the personal experience we bring to our author journey and how that matters in what we decide to write and how we decide to help the world. And so I want to start there with you, Matt, talking about your journey to even becoming familiar with psychedelics and how that came into your conscious awareness. Because I think most of us have, um, you know, an idea of maybe what it's about, or maybe had an experience way back in the day or that kind of thing. And I know there's some more um, coming out like on Netflix documentaries and things that's becoming more of a conversation, but what was your journey like starting off with your entry into this world? Um, April, I really fell into this by accident. I had some friends who were <clears throat> more uh, drug aware than I was. And they had hired a psychedelic guide to do a mushroom, a guided uh, psilocybin or magic mushroom trip and offered that I could participate with them. And I was like, I don't 
think I want to do this. Um, at that point, I was pretty, I, I'd, I'd been kind of scared about drugs. I grew up with the Just Say No campaigns and it, and it worked on me. And uh, my friend said, you know, you'd love to travel and this is like taking a, a big trip in your mind and you love to learn and this is a chance to learn about yourself and you really probably should do this. So I, I ended up doing it and it just completely changed the way I, uh, I look at and interact with the world. I, in that first journey, I reconnected with my mom who died when I was 22. She was 49. Um, I had kind of insight into over insight, one of which was like, I felt so safe and loved and then realized, wow, I don't normally feel safe and loved. And, uh, and I wanted to learn more about what, what this was. So uh, after that experience, I ended up going back to school to get a master's in psychology and neuroscience of mental health and um, started exploring other medicines um, and how they, uh, how they make me feel and think. And that led to uh, the creation of this book. And what was the time frame between your first journey and your idea to start writing this book? So one thing I found when I came out of that first journey is there's a lot of information out there, but I felt like it was either too technical or too opinionated. I didn't know where to start. <clears throat> so I really wanted something that, um, that anybody could read. And I was working with a directory project at that time. And, was, and had the fortune to be able to hire some really great writers and subject matter experts to help write different chapters. So probably within a, a year, 18 months of that first journey, I started uh, getting people to write these chapters and it came kind of piecemeal. I created a list of things that I wanted knowledge on and then reduce that down and then figure, okay, I can write these pieces and get other people to write these pieces and then found medical experts to review the pieces to make sure that um, just two sets of eyes and everything to make sure people can trust whatever this finished product is. I love that. And as I was mentioning to Matt before we started the official interview here was <laughs> I'm going through his book right now and I'm reading it. And every chapter has a pretty significant bibliography at the end of it. And, you know, I'm not a super technical person. You think I might be as a publisher, but um, I have people on our editorial team that do that. I do more of this, this part of the business. Um, but I find it so, um, it, it's a piece of the book, I think that was really necessary. And I think is so um, genius, if I can put it that way, mm. that you had the foresight to include that because for someone who this is their first maybe experience reading about the subject matter, or they haven't done a journey and they want to um, possibly help themselves with, um, with the medicine, having the scientific credibility is huge. It's huge because books, I think what's interesting about books is anyone can say anything. And part of our job as readers is to decipher what do I believe and what do I not? And I know they teach that. And hopefully, I mean, my kids have learned that a little bit in school, but how to determine what is credible and what is quote fake news. Right. Um, and so for you to say, I want to write these pieces, but I need other people to write these pieces. And then I want to have medical review on it. How was that like for you to manage that number of people, you know, in, in the project? It, it was a big project. I mean, we had, we had one person, I had one person who was helping kind of coordinate writers. I had another person who was um, 
who was editing and kind of reviewing in real time and other, the three different medical, four different medical reviewers who were taking different articles based on which ones they thought their chapters based on what they thought they could uh, um, add value to from a medical process. Um, yeah, it, it was a lot, but it was also all sorts of information that I wanted for myself. And then that's kind of the root. I, I, I think of this whole process is, this is information I wanted from me. This is information that I wanted my family to have, my friends to have, and and the world to have. So again, it was I, it was really important to put in uh, all those references and to have those two sets of eyes, so that uh, if you want to check and read the source, you can. If you don't know how to read the source, that's okay. I will admit that it was just impressive enough to see there was that amount of sources that I didn't bother going to like verify them. <laughs> you could have put like, you know, Hokey Pokey wrote this one and Mr. Snuffleupagus wrote that one. I've been like, wow, that's amazing. That's amazing. <laughs> yes. But when you, when you talked about your first experience and your friends were, were going to take this journey and they had hired a guide mm -hmm. and they were like, come on, you like to travel. Did you find that you were skeptical? Did, were you scared? Were you open? Were you, did you do your own research first? Were you sort of like, I trust these people, so I'm just going to go for it? Where were you at in your mind at that point? Yeah, it has a lot of trust. I trust my, the people. I trust the person they hired. Um, and I really was very low expectations. I thought, okay, this will be, let's see what they have to say, but maybe it'll be some, some visuals, very Beatles-esque in my mind. It's not a uh, very low expectations. I certainly didn't expect to connect with my mom. I certainly didn't expect to, uh, to have insights into death and life and safe and love and marriage and children and all of those things that, that happened. And um, yeah, it completely, completely blew me away. I mean, it's amazing to think that all that could happen in a short period of time, because what was in, in, in the time stratosphere we live in, like, what was the amount of time that you experienced that part of your journey? Yeah, I think it was about six hours. I think, I think the mushroom component, the, the, the peak component, or sorry, it's the psychedelic components about a six hour journey with, uh, with the amount of mushrooms that we consumed. Yeah. So what would you say, you know, after you came out of that? Um, experience where you like sign me up for another one or you know let me just sit back and think about what just happened or you know any number of ways that you could feel afterwards of course you said you felt like love that you never had like love and acceptance I think is what you said um, but as someone who's in recovery I've been in recovery for seven years there's part of the the aspect of psychedelics and you know we we published a book that was called sober moms happy moms of another mm -hmm. um, addiction recovery counselor who published a book called resolving spiritual skepticism and recovery he's a very academic minded guy and so but i've heard actually that bill w who founded alcoholics mm -hmm. anonymous had some experiences with in the early days i think it was in the 40s um with psychedelics and so for someone like me, who's of the mindset, like if one is good, probably 10 is better. <laughs> you know, how, how do you come out and not say like, I want to live on mushrooms every day? <laughs> that's a, it's a super is that a fair question? Is it's that like, am I revealing too question. much here in the podcast? No, it's a super important question you're asking. So let's, let's take this from a couple of different angles. Let's first talk about Bill W. So he had a, um, it was a psychedelic experience that led to his breakthrough, which led to the creation of Alcoholics Anonymous, um, which was the, was the first of the 12-step organizations that exist, as you know. 
what is the 12-step program? It's a spiritual path. It starts with the first step, handing yourself over to a higher power. So Bill W. Uh, argued vehemently that LSD should be part of that first step. Um, and he didn't win, but he was he, his argument went like this. He said, look, in the language he used back in the, I think, 30s and 40s was drunks. So drunks have to give themselves over to a higher power. How do they do that? They, they, um, it's, it's challenging. If we can give them a forced spiritual experience, they will have mm. an easier time on the first step. Mm. Um, well, he didn't win with uh, Alcoholics Anonymous with that particular approach, uh, like the prophets of Saskatchewan, I believe. Um, many organizations uh, working with alcoholics did use LSD up until they couldn't anymore. So up until mm. the Controlled Substances Act in 1970. So then when I talk to people in recovery, a bunch on this, they, and they say, well, what do I it's counterintuitive. Why would I use one substance just to stop working with another substance? Um, and what if it, what if I have the same reaction to a psychedelic as I did to whatever substance that they are concerned about with, with the exception of ketamine, um, animal studies have not shown, um, addiction potential with most psychedelics. So it's, uh, you give a, uh, you give a, a rat, a choice of a psychedelic or food, they're going to take the food. Um, for me personally, I came out of that experience. I said, wow, I want to learn more. And that was incredible. But no, there was not a burning desire to go and do that again anytime soon. Um, and that is what I, it wasn't uh, like you swapped out coffee for mushroom tea. <laughs> correct. Correct. I did stop drinking though, April, which is super. It wasn't even one of my um, intentions, which is again, wild to me, but it, it, uh, it just became so apparently obvious in that journey that it wasn't doing me any good. I didn't need to do it and just stop. And it wasn't like, so I didn't have to think about it. I was just, it just said stop. And I haven't had a drink since. It's kind of wild. Um, and, and you're a heavy drinker or not really. No, you just kind of just gave it up and yeah, just moved along. Just sort of fell away. Fell away. Um, with, uh, so whether it's a substance use challenge or a behavioral use challenge, um, these medicines, these psychedelics seem to have really the ability to do powerful, powerful change. And let me just be clear one, one other thing here. I don't believe a psychedelic is a cure for anything. It is a catalyst. It is a way for you to dive deep inside, to remember who you are, to remember, have a different way of thinking than maybe you have thought in the past period of time. And then with that, you can move forward, take advantage of the, the plasticity in the brain and, and make behavioral change, but it is not a cure-all, it's a catalyst. It's a good qualifier right mm -hmm. there, because I think the tendency with all medicine, right, is hoping it is a cure-all or, a you know, like, I think it's human nature to want to just have the simple solution. Like, if I could just do this one thing, then everything's going to be better. But of course, with anything, weight loss, improving a relationship, um, overcoming or, you know, diminishing anxiety, let's say, um, whatever the goal that might be, that's sort of stunting your own personal journey, if you will, there's lots of ways to kind of go about trying to tackle that. And it seems to me from what you're saying is that, you know, psychedelics is a way to give yourself an experience that is, um, profoundly spiritual and eye-opening and may give you that, um, is it, what do you say? It's a jump start into, Sure. I like change. that language. Yeah. Catalyst mm -hmm. and a new change. Um, 
there are there are biochemical components of the psychedelic technology that's that yeah absolutely is important and i say it's biochemical psychosocial spiritual it's all of it combined together that makes it really a transformational um medicine technology whatever language we want to use like the word technology, it makes it sound so official. <laughs> sure, fair uh, enough. Can I go to Best Buy and get some psychedelic technology? <laughs> yes. <laughs> Where's exactly. that section? Where's that geek squad? Yes. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Can they just come out to my house with their van or something? Um, but anyway, <laughs> I digress. So you so you had the experience and you had uh some friends with you. Mm-hmm. And so tell tell me a little bit about what that was like when you were in that first experience, like how many of you were there? What was sort of the process? Did you all sit quietly? Did you talk with each other? Did you do writing? Like what was what was the actual, like what was going on? Yeah, so the process began before the ceremony with some uh, intention questions from our guide to, to think through what is uh, what are we trying to get out of this medicine? We were also asked to bring an artifact from our childhood or something that was important to us to the uh, to the location. We got there, the um, had kind of a healthy breakfast. Then the facilitator said, "We're going to create an altar now," and had it had an altar. And then we all brought our objects up. Um, I'm trying to remember the exact sequence. We I believe we did some meditation. We then ate the mushrooms. We then did some more breath work and meditation. And then we kind of laid down and went into our own worlds. And um, and then that lasted, that piece, that initial piece was two or three hours before I realized there's like, there's anybody else there because <laughs> you're so, so in it. And then, um, and then had some inter- exchanges with some other people, um, went on to nature a little bit. And um, yeah, it's just, 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 Beautiful. I, I think we, with us, there were probably six, seven of us. Um, I think group ceremony, at least in my experience, that first one was a group. I have done work by myself, but I think groups are the better way to experience psychedelics. I think there's a there's something about the energy exchange. There's something about your healing is my healing and my healing is your healing and how we're all connected that makes group work really beautiful. And uh, yeah, it was, it was that that's that's how that first one unwound since then i've also been drawn much more towards ceremonial um psychedelics versus medicalized but i think there's a place in the world for both okay yeah you know it's very it i i find it all just it's like a whole entire like alice in wonderland falling down into the rabbit hole and experiencing, right? I don't know. Mm-hmm. Is there, I mean, I'm just making all this up right now, of course. Like, I, I just like, because I've never <laughs> had the experience. So I'm like, okay, it must be like, ah, you know, like colors and, you know, amazing, you know, release of whatever your mind is, you know, that, that incessant, you know, chatter in your mind and all of that. But, you know, the, the, um, I guess for me, what I think is so interesting is what, even what you mentioned earlier is how there was this period of time in our, um, not so, not so long ago past where there was a lot of research being done on psychedelics. And then it was all stopped, um, because of Richard Nixon's, um, war on drugs. Mm -hmm. And now it's just opening up again. And with some States even legalizing, or I guess, deprioritizing is that the right word decriminalizing um, sure 
Yeah. And so where do you see all of this heading with now that you've gotten yourself into really the more academic side of it, and you also have participated in the experiential, you know, all of, where do you feel like the best um, case scenario is heading and how it's helping not only to the individual, but us possibly as a society? Is so that David, a too big of a question? It's a great think... question. David Bronner from uh, Dr. Bronner's Soaps talks about um, the unified field. And when he talks about the unified field, he talks about three different ways that people, uh, hang on one second, sorry. Sorry about that. It just, no um, the, um, he talks about the unified field and three different um, ways that people access this type of medicine. So he talks about it. There are people who need or want the medical approach. And we're seeing that. We're seeing a medical um, a medical format created in Oregon and Colorado. Um, some other states are researching it right now. And that's beautiful for those who want a medical, they want a doctor, they want a prescription, they want a diagnosis. Ketamine, legal in all 50 states, that's medical. There's others who say, you know what, I'm an adult and no, no one should tell me that something that grows in nature is illegal to put in my body. And that's the decriminalization movement. Um, that's their, that's their foundational argument. Plants shouldn't be illegal. And, um, and I think that's a yes too. And we're seeing again, Oregon and Colorado both decriminalized a bunch of psychedelics, but so did many cities, uh, Washington, DC, Detroit, Ann Arbor, some in Massachusetts, a bunch in California there. It's that's also, um, taking hold across the country. And then the third is that religious religious leg of the stool where people are saying, wait a minute, this is a country founded on religious freedom. These medicines or these sacraments have been used for thousands of years to have direct spiritual experiences. And I want to have a direct spiritual experience. And I want to have that type of relationship with my higher power, whatever that is, however they define it. And at this point, there's a couple hundred psychedelic churches spread out across the country, working in different modalities and and um, different philosophies, but the idea is the same. And, uh, I think all three need, will happen in, uh, in conjunction and need to happen in conjunction because all of us should be able to operate with the, the best wisdom from all three of those camps. I love that. I, I loved, I was, I was joking before we started this about the, the term churches, cause he said, I do mm -hmm. some help in churches and I've never heard of a psychedelic church and certainly, you know, the type of church I grew up in where even, you know, alcohol wasn't even allowed. Um, it's just, it's, it's freedom. Like you said, for adults who are, you know, tax, tax paying members of society and have the right to do whatever they want with their own bodies. Um, and that's my opinion, of course. Um, but I don't think that as a society, it's our government's job to tell us what to do. Couldn't agree that's with you my more. opinion. That is exactly so opinion. I'm sure um, you know, others could argue others other way. And I would just have to say I respect that and I think you're wrong. <laughs> <laughs> and that's a good sense of uh, self-confidence and you know your opinion. That's that is uh that's beautiful. Maybe, mm -hmm. maybe I think uh, you know. Uh, but anyway, so I, I'm looking here too at, um, you know, you, you have so many, there's so many great directions we could head with this, and then I'll get a little bit more into to the author journey to sort of wrap up, up 
you know, tie this in a nice bow, but I love the content here. And I feel like I've, I've got the chance to pull out some information that I think is, it's good as a whole for people to be educated. Um, Cause I think the more we understand what resources are available to us in our own healing journey, or if someone else in our lives, a loved one is choosing to heal in these ways that we understand why and what it's about rather than going into judgment um, and making something that we have no understanding about wrong, so to say. Um, but there's there's a bullet point here that I'm very curious about as someone who's an entrepreneur and in business. It's a psychedelics for business. And I'm curious what, what is under that umbrella? Like what does psychedelics for business mean? So to answer Does that, it mean yeah. like I can be in business for psychedelics or how I, I use it to be. be better in my business, all of the above. So I think what, what, again, I come back to what do psychedelics give each of us individually a chance to do? It's a chance to look inside, to remove that inner narrator that tells us we're not good enough. We're not loved we're, we're we need to do more. It turns that down, allows neurons to fire that haven't fired, which essentially allows pathways to reopen in our brains that haven't been open in a while. And all of that allows us to remember who we are and who we are is a loved human being that is, that has an inner wisdom that has an inner beauty. And with that information as a belief versus something that someone tells you, but it's something that, you know, then as you turn towards how do you generate resources? So now we, we all live, we're only going to, we're going to live, we're going to move forward. And at some point we're going to die. And in between there's times when we're generating resources and there's times when we're doing other things. So with that knowledge, how does that shape how you want to generate resources? How does it shape how you interact with the people you generate resources from? How does that shape how you interact with the people who help you generate resources? All of that is tied together. And I believe that psychedelics can be a really powerful tool for the exploration of how do you want to do business, period. Um, does that answer your question, April? Yeah, I think so. I mean, I think it's <laughs> um, it's showing how it's, it's a useful tool for um, not just your personal self-exploration or higher power experience, but um, not a... It's not a, you know, I guess if I'm going to just say stereotypical, like mind numbing, like I'm going to just go lay on the couch or check out like the, the idea of um, psychedelics, I think because of um, maybe the, the way that it was used in the past as just a tool for going to Grateful Dead concerts and getting high and, you know, like within a certain population of society in just that sort of like live and let live world. But now it can actually be a very constructive tool if used in the ways that um, you're suggesting. So I just find it fascinating. I know I'm probably not even answering, you know, asking really smart questions here. I know this is probably like psychedelics. This could be psychedelics, like not even 101, but I hope <laughs> that some of these questions have spurred some of you on who maybe never even thought about this topic and that you'll pick up this book, Psychedelics for Everyone, and you'll take a look at it and read it and learn um, and maybe say, you know what, maybe there's something here for me too. So when you got to the end of your book writing journey, mm -hmm. I'll say, where you had the pieces in place, 
um, the research and all the contributors and your own pieces that you wrote, um, did you already have a publisher in mind or how did you go about connecting with the right publisher? I ended, I ended up creating my own publishing company for these projects, um, April. So what, when I looked, um, at what needed to be done, my past life with marketing and with, uh, some of the different connections I had, I thought I was pretty suited, suited to get this out myself, I create a team to help get this out. And that team was, um, yeah, it was pretty robust. I mean, I had one person whose whose role was uh, doing the advanced copies and getting book reviews uh, slated. I had another person who was um, focused on, on on the PR efforts with traditional print and radio and television. Another one focused on podcasts. Um, a different person on social media. Um, so there's those aspects of it. The getting the the design of the book was again pretty easy to outsource, and then using the combination of Amazon and, and uh, Ingram Spark was also uh, seemed like a, again not the most challenging. It was it was work, but it was something that that I had a team that I could I could do. I love that, and you know it's interesting because as someone who is a publisher mm-hmm. who takes on that role for you know all of our authors. Um, it is a lot of details and managing a team and all of that. And I will say that, you know, most people who, you know, have an idea for a book, they mostly think they need to go it alone. And I think that's the biggest challenge that I found that most prospective authors um, fail to realize is that there's, there are people who are meant to help you. You don't have to know how to design a cover or how to design an interior or how to do the marketing and all of that kind of stuff. And it does become your own author journey where you get to decide what pieces you want to do and for what reasons. And, you know, kind of like you said in the beginning of um, your first psychedelic journey, when you were sitting there making the intention, um, I think that becoming an author is very similar. It's saying, what is my intention with this book? And I always pose the question, forget the time or the money or the effort. If the book's in your hands right now, what are you doing with it? What do you hope that it will do for you or for others? And I think that by answering that question, you can really define the type of journey you want because not everybody wants to go on traditional media or be on podcasts or or some have bigger goals, some have you know, need more help with editorial. Like they wouldn't know how to put a team together like you did. Um, some are uh, more technologically savvy than others. So I think that, you know, the the journey part of becoming an author can look different for everybody. Um, and however feels right for you, for me, for our authors, for traditionally published, you know, that journey will reveal itself as you kind of take the necessary steps. So it's really cool to hear that you were able to take your previous background and utilize it for this really cool new book. And you have another book um, that you mentioned. I I just want to jump on what you just said, April. I want to make sure I'm being clear about this. Um, I didn't know how much I didn't know about book publishing. Um, and luckily, I had a, a person named Lucy who has sat in your seat for other at a different time in her life and was able to really walk me through it. And, and so I think whether you use the Lucy's of the world or, the, or you, April, or your company or this, yeah, I was just constantly surprised, even with the marketing background, how unique the unique challenges of book publishing that I didn't know. I never 
thought about categories and keywords uh, or, or what it would take to do reviews or why, what an author advanced copies were, how those were utilized or um, how does Amazon, uh, the algorithm work for this? Or why do bookstores and libraries use this? I, it just went on and on and on with the, with the learning curve. So I'm, I'm a, yeah, without a, a Lucy or a publisher, it, it would not have gotten the thousands and thousands of downloads that, uh, and purchases that, uh, that it's gotten. So, um, yeah, I'm, I'm, I, I think there's a tremendous value in what you, you, you do. Yeah. Well, and it's amazing that, um, as a, as a new author, you know, to really have a Lucy to help you and to have a team and to have that much foresight to be selling, you know, so well, because the, the author experience for first-time authors isn't always selling thousands of copies. Sometimes mm-hmm. for authors, it could be the book opens the door to more speaking engagements or to more consulting clients, if that's what they want. And so really the book becomes sort of the center of the ecosystem. And how does that book amplify your expertise and experience and who you are and how you help people. And then it will draw the right people to you who need that information. And I think that's really the cool power of a book is, you know, you and I got to talk here today because of the podcast, but how many people have read your book who will never talk to you? You'll never know Mm -hmm. that your book impacted them. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And and in my space, we talk about attraction versus promotion that I'm, I'm really not supposed to be advertising how to do this, that, or the other thing with, with psychedelics. It's about attraction. So for me, having a book that people can find, people can read, and they can go find me on LinkedIn. They can find me on Instagram. They can send me a message and I'm going to respond. That's attraction. And, 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 I'm, and it's leading to April conversations like you and I are having that are, that are good, meaningful conversations that, uh, yeah, but that information gets exchanged. I love that. Well, since you want to have attraction rather than promotion, I'll do the promotion. <laughs> That's a deal. Because <laughs> I'm not averse to promotion. <laughs> um, and I, I would just say that, um, you know, Matt has really provided so much accessible information on psychedelics that I encourage everyone to pick up your book. Um, psychedelics for everyone. I think it's um, a worthwhile read, whether you think that you want to explore the journey for yourself or whether you just want to understand it better. So you become a more knowledgeable person. I think it's um, a great read for either of those, those categories of people. And, you know, like you said, books come into your hands all the time for like the most magical reasons. I find that that's been true for me throughout my lifetime, that I'm thinking about something and all of a sudden a book shows up or person mm-hmm. recommends a book. And so if you're listening to this right now and your mind's going, eh, I don't know. Well, I'm going to say you're listening for a reason. Yeah, I'm going to provide all the links. Listening. Yeah. You're, you're listening for a reason. Hopefully you're, you're listening you're for a reason. reason. I will put the link. You don't have mm-hmm. to tell anyone you're clicking it and you're ordering, but just enjoy the journey of exploring knowledge um, and seeing where it will take you. So is there any parting words that you'd like to share that we didn't cover or any big potholes I missed? No, I, I love how you were talking about how this, I, I certainly don't mean, even though the book is called Psychedelics for Everyone, that everyone should take a psychedelic. But what I do mean what you said, if, if whether it's for you, whether it's for someone you love, or whether you're just trying to figure out how you're going to vote in the next election, the information in this book can give you that type of foundation um, and especially for anyone who is kind of 52 and younger, who's only grown up in a prohibition, 
this is really different information than what was uh, what our teachers and our parents and and the media and doctors have told us for the last fifty years. So hopefully there's there's good information in here for for everyone. You know, I I hate to say that I was remiss in this entire podcast to not even read the subtitle because I think it's so important for those who are listening, who are, who are, maybe they don't know exactly what it addresses. And I would say, I caught mm. myself in my own pothole here is that, you know, we talked a lot about addiction recovery and the spiritual experience, but psychedelics are really super helpful for a lot of other things. And so do you want to just kind of tell us the, the, you know, smattering of other things? I mean, that, that are really a powerful tool for mental health and resolving some things that are kind of hard to resolve. Yeah. I mean, in the subtitle, I focused in on anxiety, depression, addiction, PTSD, and expanding consciousness. But um, really, as, as you think about it, as we get older, we all get into repetitive thought patterns. Some of us get into more than others and on different things than others. Psychedelics kind of breaks up that pattern, gives you a six hour, if you're again, a six hour, if you're taking psilocybin or LSD, a one hour if you're taking ketamine, but gives you a break from that thought pattern. And uh, whatever reason you go into that experience, I am trying to figure out the source of my depression, the source of my anxiety, the root of my um, OCD, my eating disorders, my substance use challenges. Um, I'm tired of living with PTSD and nothing's worked. Um, this gives you your mind a break and, and it gives your, um, you the ability to process it in a, in a way that is just different. And then ideally to emerge and say, okay, I can see that this is just a feeling or this is, this is, I can look at this in situation differently. I can remove the shame, blame, and guilt from whatever we're talking about process it differently and move on. And uh, I, I just don't know of anything that is as quick and as powerful as psychedelics for those types of things. There's other ways to get here. Absolutely. But um, this is a pretty consistent technology for doing those things. Mm -hmm. Well, maybe it's like taking an airplane from Florida, to New York versus taking a bus versus a bike versus putting on your gym shoes. Yes. You can, <laughs> all those ways you can get to New York. You can get there, but like, it. I think I'd rather sit in first class in like, you know, a nice airplane, you know, and be there in like a very short period of time than like hoofing it in my Nikes, you know? Absolutely. Yes. <laughs> well, thank you so much for your time. This has been an absolutely fabulous conversation. I've learned a lot, had some fun and a lot of things to think about um, for the future. So be sure to connect uh, with Matt online. And I will put the link in the show notes and on LinkedIn, as he said, he's actually a real person. He will respond <laughs> to you, which is like amazing in these days. You know, we always think that like, I don't know, this, there's this misnomer that like authors are somehow like behind some wall that is like impenetrable. Yes, is that impenetrable? Exactly. It's a big word. <laughs> I don't think I pronounced it properly, but you got it. Like you can't penetrate it. So, <laughs> well, thank you again. And this has April, been another episode you. of the iBook podcast. Thank you for participating in today's uh, podcast episode and for listening. Be sure to like this podcast and subscribe. If you're watching on YouTube, you can of course find us on Spotify and all the other podcast platforms. And if you're on Spotify or listening on audio, you might want to hop on over to YouTube and then you can actually verify that Matt's face <laughs> looks just like his headshot. I am not lying. 
So have a great day, everyone. Thank you so much. Thank you so much to Matt Zeman for being on this episode of the iBook Podcast. For more about Matt and to find out more about his book and other interviews he has done about psychedelics for everyone, you can visit him online at mattzeman.com. For more about becoming an author and taking that idea out of your head and getting it into a book, take our author adventure quiz at olearypublishing.com. Thank you again, Matt, and I hope that you all found this enlightening, inspiring, and educational. Have an amazing day.